Okay, so I'm sharing with you a, a photocopy of uh, the opening lines of our parsha this week, Parsha Kitavo. Um, and uh, we are familiar with this particular mitzvah. We've seen it uh, each time we come around. We uh, more or less make a mention of this mitzvah called Bikurim, the offering of gratitude that we... Uh, that we give to to uh, bring to the Beit Hamikdash of all the first fruits that Hashem has given us. So let's have a look at the let's have a look at the actual text itself. Um, just enlarge it here so everyone can see it. Okay, so So it will be when you enter the land that Hashem, your God, uh, gives you as an inheritance. and you possess it and dwell in it. Then um, the, the 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 Hebrew. Okay, I guess I'll just say, stay, stay at the English. you shall take of the first of every fruit of the ground that you bring in from your land that Hashem your God gives you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that Hashem your God will choose to make His name rest there. That refers to the Beit Hamikdash in Yerushalayim as the, the city and the actual place that Hashem's presence is more concentrated there. And you shall come to whomever will be the Kohen in those days, and you shall say to him uh, that, I declare today to Hashem your God that I have come to the land that Hashem swore to our forefathers to give us. And the Kohen shall take the basket from your hand and lay it before the altar of Hashem your God. So you, all you do is you've got this fancy basket, you've got the fruit or the different uh, species in there. Uh, the, the, the so-called offering is only of the species which are indigenous to the land of Israel. So there's seven of them. And um, we know them as chita and sora, the two grains, wheat and barley. Then we've got some fruit. So we've got, uh, after the chita and sora, we've got, Gefen, Tainah, Verimon. Gefen are the grapes. Tainah, the figs. Rimon, pomegranates. So that's five. And then we have olives, Zayt, Shemen, and Dvash, which are dates. Uh, the honey, Dvash is honey, but it comes from dates. So those are our seven species. Put them into the basket. You take, uh, you take the basket then and you give it to the Kohen. And he puts it before the, the, the Mizbeach. And then you uh, make a declaration. Interesting enough, the Gemara describes that uh, in order to spruce up the, the meal, the offering here that uh, you've given just of fruit in a, and, and, and grain, so you need a bit of protein. So the Gemara says that to make the basket um, more appealing, they would add in there like, like birds that you could shech and eat. So those of us who... Uh, are not so vegan inclined, are still happy. Anyhow, that was an enhancement of the of the korban. But basically, it's the the mitzvah to bring the seven uh, species. So besides bringing them, putting them in a basket, and bringing them to the mizbeach, putting them down at the mizbeach, you then got to uh, declare something. You have to you have to say something like a kind of a kiddush. You have to make a declaration. So then you shall call out and say before Hashem your God. Aramio and Aramian tried to destroy my forefather. 
he descended to Egypt and sojourned there, few in number, and there became a nation, great, strong, and numerous. The Egyptians mistreated us and afflicted us and placed hard work upon us. But then we cried out to Hashem, the God of our forefathers, and Hashem heard, heard our voice, saw our affliction, our travail, and our oppression. Hashem took us out of Egypt with a strong hand and outstretched arm, with great awesomeness and with signs and wonders. So these four verses, these four psukim, five, six, seven, and eight, we know this well from the Haggadah. That, that makes sort of like the, the body of the Haggadah text that we analyze. But yeah, there was an additional um, verse here. And he brought us to this place and he gave us this land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought the first fruit of the ground that you have given me, Hashem. And that is the end of the declaration. And you shall lay it before Hashem, your God. You shall prostrate yourself before Hashem, your God. You know, and that's uh, essentially what follows. You shall rejoice with all the goodness that Hashem, your God, has given you in your household. So you can have a l'chaim, a big kiddush, an uh, opportunity of bringing bikurim. Okay, that's the basic uh, story of these, uh, <clears throat> of this mitzvah called bikurim of the first fruits. Okay, so now what, uh, what I want to try and uh, show you is as follows, that um, this, this particular, this mitzvah of Bikurim, uh, it's, it consists according to most of a yearly bringing of the first fruits from one's field to the Kohen and the Beit Hamidash. I say most because there are opinions that claim that you only brought the first fruit, first meaning not of the season, but rather first of the actual um, species, or first of the actual, the actual plant or, or, or fruit tree. So what it would mean is that you had a fruit tree in your garden, um, let's say you had a fig tree, so the only time you would bring Bikurim is the very first time that fig tree matured and produced figs then that's the first of that tree as opposed, you know, because it talks about the first of the ground. What is the, you know, the first of the ground mean? So there's an interesting argument. Is it the first of the season or is it the first of the actual tree? So that new tree that very, that, that matured to the level where it could give a fig. What the, the, once you've taken the fig from that tree, there's no mitzvah of Bikurim any longer re that particular, that particular tree. So, uh, an interesting just uh, what the argument is, but I think most most Mephoshim explain it as as uh, as the first of uh, as the first of the season. Now, interesting enough is looking at the mitzvah of Bikurim. Um, it helps us actually understand. So, in other words, all these little processes that are included here help us understand uh, a bracha that we make after enjoying. Uh, any one of the seven species. Now, as you know, if we if we take uh, the grains and we turn the we turn the grains, you know, take the wheat, we turn it into bread. Then we uh, wheat being such a the the so-called coarse substance that we eat, it's bread. So the brocha becomes a motzi, a motzi lech minaretz, and that is like the so-called most elevated brocha that we have in the area of grains. Um, but the barley, the barley we would make not on that barley if we were just going to have the barley, if we cooked it in a, in a cholent, for example, 
and um, you know, without turning it into flour and then turning it into bread, if we didn't turn it into bread, then we, we would make a mochi over any of the five grains that were turned into flour, then mixed with water, kneaded and turned into dough, which we make bread from. That would be a mochi. But if we were eating the grains as a kind of a, uh, I don't know, snack or enhancement of a salad or whatever it may be, there, you now if you threw grains into a salad, um, you would just you'd make mazanot. So if there's barley, for example, you make cholent and you throw barley into the cholent um, and you decided to have the cholent not on Shabbos because generally you have it during your meal uh, on, on Shabbos morning and you've already made a motzi so you don't make a brocha on anything else that you eat for the main meal. Um, but if you, if you uh, had leftover cholent and you wanted to eat it on its own, you know, either Motsa Shabbos or whatever, you know, Sunday, Monday, whatever, however long the Cholent lasts. And you just want to have Cholent, you're not going to have Hamotzi beforehand. So now you've got a, a Brocha question, but we basically say if you're going to have, you know, if there's Muzanot inside uh, the so-called Cholent as a, as a, as a, a, cold, a substantial ingredient, you would say, um, you'd say Muzanot on it. Okay, so you make Muzanot. Now, when you, when you eat the rest of the, seven species, which are essentially fruits, um, you, would, you would say borei priya as the first, as the, as the, as the bracha rishonah, the first bracha before you eat it. But then in order to uh, highlight the fact that these seven species are unique, they're there to, um, they give us an opportunity to, to give thanks and praise uh, the land of Israel itself, because these are indigenous species. So you'd make a you'd make a a, a a you bench in such a way that it's not a moti, but it's even though it's borabriyah, you bench ala michia or ala peirot, however you decide to uh, whatever you need to bench. So um, I want to have a look at uh, the, this brocha, the benching that you say after eating the seven of the seven species when it's not when it's not bread. So let me see if I can bring up. I'm just gonna bring up the brocha here let's see if i can find it um okay let's see if i can share this screen now oh, da, da. i never opened this first oh here we go and it's uh, still not here uh, is that can you see that now? Just let me know if you. Uh, no, you wouldn't be. Able, I see. Are you seeing? Are you seeing this? Uh, this screen. Yes. You, you saw it. Yes. Okay. Thanks. Let's go back now to. It's it. changed. What's that now? Changed. Back. Back. Okay. Fantastic. I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> so okay, let's have a look here. So this is again a basic uh, photocopy of the of the brocha. So you see over here it tells us that the following blessing is recited after partaking of grain products other than bread or matzah made from any of the five grains, wheat, barley, rye, oats or spelt. So that's uh, the first two of the seven species. Then um, grape Grape wine or grape juice 
grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives, or dates. So essentially, any one of the if any, these are the seven species, and this is the bracha that one says after eating them. So as you know, this is called uh, by a number of names, but we refer to it as alamichia because it's just the first phrase that's normally stated, and that's after after grain products. Um, if we just had wine, you'd say ala gefen priya gefen. And if you just had fruit, you have Allah eats for Priya eats. If you had all of them, so you, you, that's how you'd say the brocha. So if you were having the kiddush um, after shul, we haven't had that for a while, but when it comes back, so when we have a, a kiddush, and so if you're going to have, you're going to make kiddush and have wine, you're going to then have mizonot, uh, cake, you're going to make a after that. And then if you grab some grapes, then you'd basically say all three. And you just read it, just go straight through. That's how you'd say the brocha if you had all three. And, uh, and you give over this brocha, which we're going to go through now uh, quickly. So this, this brocha, what, what really is going to be the launch pad for our discussion, is, um, is the title of the brocha in... You know, the, the Mishnah calls it a, or the Gemara calls it a Ma'ain Shalosh. Now, he has translated as the three-faceted blessing. Now, what's interesting is, is that Ma'ain Shalosh, the footnotes tell us that um, the sages instituted a special blessing of thanks to be recited after partaking of the seven species for which the Torah praises Eretz Yisrael. And this blessing is known as bracha achat ma'ain shalosh. Literally a single blessing that is an abridgment of three. Because it summarizes the three scripturally ordained blessings of Birkat Amazon. Actually, the fourth blessing too, yes, as the notes, is included. See the further commentary. But the title does not allude to it because the fourth blessing is rabbinic in, in origin. Okay, so essentially, what what this brocha, what we refer to this brocha as, as alamichia, really the official name is it of it is a ma'ain shalosh. It is a contraction of the uh, the big the big benching, um, and the big benching meaning like the brain, the benching that you say over bread. So there you had the first brocha was azanet akol, so birkat azan. Is broker number one, Al Aretz Valamazon, broker number two, and Bonei Yerushalayim is number three. So they've taken those three themes and they've contracted it into a a so-called little statement relative to the big benching, and that's why it's called Ma'in Shalosh. Now, now what's interesting is like this: this title is telling us that this brocha is a kind of an abridged version, you know, of the Birkat Amazon. Now, when you tell me that something is abridged, then you expect to see the themes that were in the big benching in, the, in this little one. So, then, we could expect it would contain, you know, only the ideas that exist in the big benching. And, and uh, without any embellishments without any additional themes. But here's the, here's the interesting thing. We're going to go through the bracha now, and we're going to try and see 
you know, that they are, we're going to try and see what the themes are. And we're going to be surprised to see that there are ideas, themes inside this bracha, which aren't in the big benching, which throw a big question on our whole story. Why do we call it an abridged version of the big benching when it's more than just an abridged version? So let's just have a look. Okay, so what we what we see is as follows. Uh, first of all, when we when we uh, reflect on our on our big benching, so the third bracha that we that we uh, make a big fuss about is Bonai Yerushalayim. So we we dive into Hashem through the bracha to give praise for the fact that Yerushalayim was once our uh, was fully built with the Beit Hamikdash. Now it's not, but yet it's a kind of a tefillah that we want to back. So we want, uh, we want to restore Yerushalayim to its former glory. And that's, you know, Bonei Barachamav Yerushalayim Amen. Now, that particular bracha is here as well. In the Alamichia, we're also going to dive in for the, the return of Yerushalayim to its prominence. Um, and, uh, and this is what we, we start to find when we see it. But we're going to compare the two. So what do we say? Blessed are you, Hashem, our God, King of the Universe, brought in Ram. Uh, after all these different things that we've eaten. So we say, you know, which, you know, which is all the nourishment and the sustenance, you know, and all these possibly after wine grapes, after fruits, yeah. And then we go, and for the produce of the field, okay. And for the desirable, good and spacious land, that you were pleased, to give our forefathers as a heritage. Now, this is all good. We know this. We know these phrases. Just as you said, just as the big benching tells us that we praise Hashem for giving us food. So yeah, we've given us food. You know? So, we, we, but we also know that in the big benching we say, that's in here as well. So this is this is all good. So far so good that we've got uh, an exact abbreviation or abridgment of the big benching. Fine. So look what we say over here. To eat of your you know priya to to eat of the, of its fruit. And to be satisfied with its goodness, that is a, that's a, an interesting part over here. That we don't have there in, in the in the benching explicitly. We go no We talk about uh, you know Hashem taking us out of Egypt. And then contracting a covenant with us about the Brit Milah, and then the Sana experience where he gave us Torah. Uh, and then we So yeah, we don't have this expression, Okay, so that's that's one area we don't have now. You know, one could actually say that, um, all right, the truth be told is that we're talking, you know, we don't say it in the big benching because we're benching over bread. Yeah, we're benching over fruit, so we'll call it mipiria. 
Okay, that's uh, so we could possibly answer up by saying that that's why this is slightly uh, new uh, because it's referring specifically to, to, to fruit. Okay, so not a major question. We understand why it's slightly different. But now we come to an expression that we know well in the, in the big benching. We go, So far, so good. And now we add in something. Some people say, So yeah, what are we saying? We're saying, have mercy, have mercy on Am Yisrael, Yerushalayim, Tzion, which is the, the Beit HaMikdash. And then we add in, you know, and your altar, and your temple. That's interesting. We haven't had that before. Why? In the big benching, we don't talk about the Mizbayach. So we want to know why, you know, why would we talk about, why don't we talk about the Mizbayach in the big benching, and yet we talk about the Mizbayach over here in, uh, in, this, in the shorter version, um, you know, of, of Aramechia. So uh, this is interesting here. Again, this part is, is new. That's also in the big benching. This we don't have in the big benching, that we ask Hashem to help us make Aliyah and gladden us in its rebuilding and let us eat from its fruit and be satisfied with its goodness and bless you upon it in holiness and purity. So this whole extra line here, this is also extra. This is not in the big benching. So we've got to we've got to actually now do a lot of a bit of thinking um, as to why these additions are over here uh, in this in this particular which is supposed to be a summary and therefore we shouldn't expect to find anything new and yet we find you know some um, you know some new things okay so uh, the first the first difference we we just we dispelled quite easily because we're talking about fruits so so that's what it is. But uh, what about the rest of it? What about the rest of the story? And so, yeah, we're going to use a, 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 a to share with you an old idea, a chidush, as we say, from uh, the writings of Rav Yitzchak Zev Soloveitchik. And um, in his Haggadahs, he's got this particular insight where he makes uh, where he makes comments to this. So he says like this. He says that. Um, he would he would like to suggest that this brocha, this after brocha, the bracha chrona called alamichia, um, it's it's got more in its uh, neshama than the the basic gratitude that we expect from ourselves to give Hashem thanks for the fruit that He's given us. There's something more, and this is what he suggests. Uh, We've got the situation here where we've just partaken of the seven fruits of the land of Israel. And we use these fruits to perform the mitzvah of Bikurim, which we just spoke about at the beginning of our shir, quoting from Parshat Kitavol. And now what's interesting is, is that he's going to suggest 
that the Allah Michya is not just a thanksgiving bracha for the fruit, specifically indigenous to the land of Israel, but rather the Alamichia is in essence a prayer for the restoration of the mitzvah of Bikurim itself. That's the beautiful little idea he wants to say. Here. And that is that if we look at Alamichia through these lenses, we should expect to see the following. Why are these extras here? The extras are here to, to push you to feel that what you are doing by saying this bracha is yes, you're giving thanks to Kosh Baruch Hu for everything, for the land of Israel and the fruits that are indigenous therein. But it's also that what we do with those fruits, we want to be able to bring it to the Beit Amidash as an offering of gratitude through the mitzvah of Bikurim. And so therefore, we are looking to try and see how this Alamichia, according to the, the Briskerov, how does it actually do that? So, uh, so this is what he this is what he wants to say. So um, we now can reflect back on what we saw, you know, in the in the Bikurim. What happens? We said that when a uh, the pilgrim farmer sees that his uh, his fruits are budding, waits for the first fruits of all those species, he picks them uh, and he puts them in a basket, and then he brings the basket into the Beit Hamikdash. And the Torah told us in the piece we looked at before that the mitzvah of Bikurim entails placing the fruit basket at the corner of the Mizbayach. And so therefore, Dafka yeah, specifically yeah, within this mitzvah, looking at it through a prayer to restore Bikurim, what happened with Bikurim? Bikurim was placed in the, bra in the basket and then put at the corner of the Mizbayach as part of the actual formal mitzvah. And therefore, after partaking of these species, so we ask Hashem, number one, to return us to his land so that we may eat again of its special fruits. And two, to rebuild his Mizbah, to let the Beit Amidas become rebuilt or put the Mizbah back together again so that we can again bring those first fruits as Bikurim. Because without Mizbah, you can't, you've got nothing to put the, the Bikurim next to. So that's why you want Rachem Hashem Elokeinu uh, you want that Mizbah back in order, you know, in order to, to deal with, to, to be able to do the Mitzvah Bikurim again. Now, we want Akash Baruch to bring us back, you know, to Yerushalayim um, because we can't do this Mitzvah uh, anywhere else. That's where you have to do it. And we ask, we ask Hashem as well to... Um, have Rachmonis on us, um, on all these areas. And we also ask Hashem to to allow us to go up to the Beit HaMikdash. But yeah, it's interesting for some Chaynu Bibinyana to, um, to be happy, to, bring, to rejoice in, uh, in the building of, uh, of the Beit HaMikdash. You know, wh what do you think that's, that tells us? Why would there be this concept of Asking Hashem Dafka for us to be Sameach uh, when Yerushalayim is built and the and the and the walls in a sense are 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 restored, and so yeah, what's interesting is as follows: um, we need to consider some of the details of the mitzvah of of, of Bikurim. So um, the, there was a whole prof, there was a whole procession 
uh, when, when the mitzvah was performed. The Mishnah has a beautiful description of how people were so encouraging of farmers from all over the country to come in and, uh, and, have, and, and bring the Bikurim. They would alarm the streets of re- leading up to Shalim with all sorts of stalls. Uh, people would like set up a kind of a ran show and as people walked or, or you know, came riding by on their various animals into the city, they could stop and, um, and, and buy things, have something to drink. Uh, then, and all the people would come and sing and dance as each pilgrim came in there, you know, with, um, with, uh, with their Bikurim. So there was a real element of, of, of Simcha that was part and parcel of, uh, you know, of the midst of, of Bikurim as well. So, um, so yeah, again, it's to restore everything that goes with the Bikurim, the Simcha that's there as, as well. And when you came in and you brought the Bikurim into the, you know, into the Beit HaMidash and you gave it to the Kohen, so the, the owner would say, the pilgrim farmer, he makes his declaration and, um, you know, and, and, he, and he, uh, he, he brings this, um, he gives thanks through this declaration uh, in the, and he, he says it in the, in, the, in the courtyard of the Beit HaMikdash. Now, in order to get into the courtyard, you need to have this, you need to be, you need to be tahor, you need to be spiritually pure. Uh, and so purity, this, uh, tahara is purity. So there, it's also an appropriate adjective for the bringing of Bikurim um, as entrance to the temple grounds was permitted only to those who were, who were tahor, ritually pure. And the Bikurim themselves had to be, like Truma, have to be kept in a state of purity. So that's why this terminology is also, um, is also apt over here because it describes the details of what, um, of what we need to appreciate as we contemplate, as we contemplate uh, the nature of, of this brocha. So essentially what, uh, what we're basically saying to each other is that this alamichia brocha has got an added dimension of depth to it simply described by the Briskarov as a prayer for the restoration of the mitzvah of Bikurim. And all the additions that we asked ourselves about, why they're there, why they're emphasized, they're there because they have, uh, they have a, a sort of a, an implied prayer to Hashem to put all these variables in the equation so that Bikurim first fruits can be brought again to the, to the Beit HaMikdash. So you need Yerushalayim, you need Yerushalayim intact. You need the walls around Jerusalem intact. Without the walls, there's an element of Kedusha which is not uh, complete. And without that element of Kedusha, of sanctity, you can't bring, you can't bring the Bikurim. So that's why we've got Bikdusha. We, we, and we've got to be the, the pilgrim farmer has to be pure and the fruits have to be spiritually Tahor. That's why it's over Tahara. The whole process was done uh, and brought with it an element of, of Simcha. So it's a simcha for the rebuilding of the temple and a simcha because that was the procession that every, everybody reacted to this uh, procession with, uh, with such joy. Um, in fact, it's interesting that this concept of reacting to the, to the, the, the programs coming up to Yerushalayim and everybody would lie on the streets and welcome them and, you know, it turned it into a whole story with the season. I mean, the Bikurim started coming Shavuot time. So there was already a Simcha in the air if you started bringing Bikurim for Shavuot. 
But throughout the whole entire season of Bikurim, from Shavuot all the way through to Hanukkah, you know, you've got, um, you've got summer, more or less. So everybody's traveling, and there was always this ability to, to welcome people there. It's an interesting comment that a number of, uh, a number of Rabbonim have made with regard to this idea. I sort of basically made this comment, and I saw it also in the, in the writings of uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. They, uh, they use this uh, description that the Mishnah has of the people greeting you know, everyone coming. So can you imagine you've got like, um, you've got, you've got stores uh, that are lining the streets and everybody's selling their wares. And as a pilgrim farmer, anybody would pass, everybody would stop what they were doing and give them a big shalom aleichem and alechaim and who knows what else they would do. But it doesn't exactly make for constructive focused work over here. I mean, if you're trying to do something and every, every, every five minutes, some pilgrim farmers, you know, walking past you going, Shalom Aleichem, nice to see you, bring in Bikurim. You have to stop, you have to stand up, and you have to wish them well. It's a quite a, it can become quite an exercise. So, um, interesting, just to explain or give an, a deeper insight of what this meant. So, the comments that uh, the Robin of Yaakov Kamenetsky I saw in this forum make is that the, the, the Gemara teaches us a principle. And that is that in order to give a person encouragement to do any mitzvah, not just mitzvah bikurim, but any mitzvah, if a person, if you are in the presence of somebody who's about to do a mitzvah, in order to encourage the person and in order to demonstrate that the mitzvah is beloved unto you, the custom is to stand up. So, so the, the custom is to stand up for the person because the person's about to go and do a mitzvah. So it's interesting that these that these uh, thinkers tell us that this is this is uh, the explanation that we uh, that we give to uh, understand many a custom that we have. Why is it, for example, that when the baby is brought in, we all get up and we say Baruch Haba and we all stay standing? Well, what are you standing for? It's not like in the middle of davening. It's not kedusha. It's not kaddish. Why are you standing for this? Uh, for the, for the whole, you know, the, the story of the bris, the whole procedure. The reason is because you're standing in honor of the mitzvah to show that the mitzvah of Brit Milah is beloved unto us and that it deserves an elevated level of focus and respect. And so all the people that are part and parcel of passing the baby down, giving it to the, the Kisashilaliyahu and to the father or the grandfather as Sandek and and the moil, the moil is about to do a mitzvah. The, the, the father of the son is about to do, is about to do an, you know, fulfill an obligation of the Torah. We stand whenever we are in the presence of somebody who's actually about to do a, uh, a mitzvah. So we just don't often think of it that way because we, we just, you know, we're not, we're not used to being in that environment. How many times are you actually in the presence of somebody who's about to do a mitzvah? So, you know, for example, if, uh, if I'm sitting down at the, at, you know, in the lounge or at the dining room table and, uh, you know, in a very, very rare occasion that I would be uh, ready to go to shul before, uh, you know, as every, before candle lighting and I'm sitting there reading, reading or learning and in, and in comes, uh, in, in come the girls to write, to light candles. So they're about to do a mitzvah. I would get up and stand up for them to, you know, to show that the mitzvah of lighting candles, you know, I don't just ignore it and say, you know, hey, it's, you know, girls, it's your mitzvah. You know, thanks for the candles. 
yeah, you got to you got to show that every mitzvah needs respect and uh, and love, and therefore we we get up and we that's we stand up when we see anybody doing a mitzvah. If you think about it, uh, ask yourself the following question, and that is, when a chosan and a kala get married, the chatan comes into the shul and the rabbi will say, "Please stand." You know, as the chosan walks in, we all stand up for him. Now, why are we standing up? So it's sort of natural to us, which is also good. But the chosan's about to go and do a mitzvah. It's about to marry his bride. You know, you stand up for a mitzvah. You know, so there could be a number of reasons why we're standing. You know, even if you say that the marriage, the actual formal process isn't, isn't uh, necessarily a mitzvah, but it's a, it's a kind of a, it's a, kind of a, a, a rabbinic expression of the Torah law of getting married. But maybe getting married isn't a mitzvah. Maybe having children is the mitzvah. And you, and you need to, um, but you, in order to have children, you need to get married. So according to that line of thinking, you'd stand up because the Khatan and Kala are king and queen on, on, on that day. And you stand up for royalty. According, but according to those who think that the actual, there's a mitzvah to get married per se, irrespective of children, then you're standing up because the Khatan is going gonna, is gonna to perform a, a mitzvah by, uh, by marrying his bride. Uh, and the last, the last example just to share with you is that um, uh, if you if you would find yourself in shul on a regular weekday morning, so there's a certain part in the tefillah just before Yishtabach by Yivarech David that we have the custom to stand up at that point in time. You know, that piece before Az Yashir. And the question is, why do we stand for that? So some commentaries point to the fact that there are some uh, very um, lofty concepts, Kabbalistic concepts that are woven into the fabric of the text. You know, when we talk about Hashem's midot, Hashem's character traits, Hashem's way of expressing and relating to us, all these are Kabbalistic expressions of how Hashem relates to us. And so therefore, some explain, that's why we stand up in the middle of the Pesukah de Zimra to, give, to pay respect for, for that piece. But, um, but the, the two thinkers that I quoted before, they don't look at it that way. They, um, they see, they say, listen, you know, there's a, because the text, because the text um, that you have in the Sidur, just before, you know, in that Vayivarech David, if you looked at the text there, so you would see the following, you'd see that there's a, there's a reference made to, to the following. The reference is that um, Hashem rules over everything, but then you say, wealth and honor come from you, and you, Hashem, rule everything. And it is in your hand to make anyone great or strong. Uh, that's uh, that's really the, the praise that you're giving. And now, Hashem, our God, we thank you and praise you. Your great your great name. So that that's the that's the translation of the few lines that are st that that follow this um, 
deep expression of how Hashem relates to us. And there's an because we say that wealth and honor come from you, so when we say that, there's a minak, there's a custom that I think is, is related back to the Arizal that we give tzedakah there. So you'll find in, uh, in, in shuls, different shuls have different customs when we ask people to give tzedakah. So uh, in, my, in my younger years, when I was in high school, the high school was actually set up um, by, the, by the German Jewish community. You know, we used to affectionately call them yekas. The yekas from Adas Yushurun in, uh, you know, in, back in the day in Joburg, in Yeovil, they, they set up, they were, they, were, they were the ones who motivated the setting up of this from school uh, that I went to. And, um, and then one of the minagim that they had was that they, don't, they would, uh, while the chazan repeats the Shemona Esrei, they would walk around with a pushka and you had one guy who takes the tzedakah box and literally walks past everybody for you to put a little, put a coin in or two, whatever it is you want to do, just to give tzedakah. But others had the minag, api kabbalah, that the tzedakah box was taken around at this point. So you'd have people taking... In, you'd say Vayvarech David, and then some somebody would take the tzedakah box around, so that when you said the words, Osher Kavod Moshel Bakol, and then it's, it's everything comes from you, Hashem, Panosa, and everything included, with the emphasis on Panosa, you'd give tzedakah at that particular point, and so that's another. There was another minag that that uh, that, that was in shul, and uh, you know you do it at that point, and others, you know. No one's got the, everyone's lazy and no one wants to schlep the tzedakah box around anymore. So other shuls say, okay, we're not going to come to you. You come to us and I'll put tzedakah boxes on the bimah and uh, for whatever cause they're collecting for. And those who follow this bimah will then get up, walk towards the bimah and, and, and drop the tzedakah money into any one of the pushkas that's, that's on the bimah. And so since you have a situation where people are giving tzedakah, in the middle of davening, and we all there around them, and giving tzedakah, of course, is a mitzvah. That's why you stand at that point in time, in honor of the mitzvah of tzedakah that people are giving. So that's, uh, again, it's like uh, taking this theme that, that we find in the Gemara, based on what happened uh, to the pilgrim farmers who came in with their, with, their, uh, with their first roots, the description of the Mishnah, that everybody came in and everyone stopped and stood you know, to, to welcome the pilgrim farmers. And you'd have to ask yourself, why did they stand? They stood because these people were on the way to do a mitzvah. Whenever you encounter somebody who's on the way to perform a mitzvah, you stand if you're in their vicinity. And so that's why they would do it. And by extension now, Rav Soraitik and Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, they both say it in different, on different points, but they, they use it to explain uh, why we have the minak to stand in all these different places in davening, uh, well, this particular place in davening, and for all other areas that we may have encountered, because there's a there's there's something special about being present. Chaviva mitzvah b'shaita. There's chaviva means it's uh, it's beloved unto us more than after you get, after person does a mitzvah. You you say You should have more strength to go further in observance. Um, that's how what that's what really means. So that, that you give a bracha to a person who's already performed the mitzvah. But if they, on the way to perform the mitzvah, 
then you stand up as well. Because when they're doing the mitzvah, you, you stand up. And so this really um, is, a, is a description of, of a part of the simcha. Maybe that chaviva mitzvah b'shaita is part of that b'shamchenu, that we, that we have a mitzvah of simcha as well. Of course, in the way that the, the, the text in the brocha talks about, the simcha is about the binyan amigdash. So we can do the mitzvah. But maybe there's also a kind of a, 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 a reference here that there's an element of simcha because, um, because, because we are all in, in the presence of these people who are doing, doing mitzvot and we all stand, stand for them as they do it. Okay, so we'll just um, summarize quickly. quickly. We, uh, we chose the topic because our Pasha of the week uh, highlights the mitzvah of Bikurim as an obligation upon every pilgrim farmer to take the, the blessed yield uh, of the field and specifically the seven indigenous species um, of Israel, put them in a basket as an offering of gratitude, bring it to the Beit HaMikdash, give it to the Kohen. The Kohen puts it at the southwest corner of the Mizbayach and uh, then you make the declaration. And uh, in order for the mitzvah of Bikurim to take place, so you have all these other factors that have to come together. You know, number one, Yerushalayim has to be uh, rebuilt, reclaimed and rebuilt. The walls have to be there. The Beit Hamidash has to be there. The Mizbayach has to be there. And your own personal purity and the purity of the fruits have to be there. And when all of that is there, then when the people come and they bring it, there's an element of Simcha, which is invested in the whole process. And uh, we accompany with... Uh, with pomp and ceremony, uh, people going to the Beit Hamidash to give thanks to Kosh Baruch Hu for the yield of their of their fields, and uh, and therefore, as a result of this, when we look at the Alamicha Bracha, which is called Ma'in Shalosh, we were surprised to find that there were extra details that weren't in the big benching. Uh, you know, begging the question, therefore, why is it called a uh, an abridged version of the original three brachas? And the answer is, is that Look, it is a bit of a fudge in a sense. Uh, it's main shalosh, but it's more than that. It's main shalosh, but it's really a uh, a brocha that you say after benefiting as a prayer for the restoration of uh, the mitzvah of bikurim, which need all all those factors uh, to come to come together. Okay, so that's really uh, what I wanted to share with you, and uh, hope next time you get a chance. To say this, the alamichia or the alagefen, whatever you're eating at the time, uh, hopefully you will get a chance to say it. And uh, it's one of these good, good exercises. A good, a good uh, resolution is to take take it upon yourself to learn the bracha of heart. And uh, you know, as kids, we were we were pushed to do it. Then once you once you learn it, you're good. But uh, if you never had the opportunity, it's a good bracha to to learn off by heart, so you don't forget to say it when uh, when needed, and you. You don't have a bencher with you. Today, of course, we've got our phones, so we can get it on our phones, but always good to learn the brocha. All right, so I'll leave it there for everybody, and uh, I hope to see you um, uh, in the you know, next week and in the not-too-distant future on other shirim, and hopefully we'll be able to see each other on on some level over, over Yontif. So uh, be good and be well and be safe. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, pleasure, pleasure. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Thank you.